Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford. Oh, I guess I have to really get used to saying I'm also joined by my co-host, Darby Robinson. Uh, Darby, when we last spoke, the Rays were undefeated. One week later, the Rays are still undefeated. 9-0, playing really great baseball, uh, but somehow still divisive. Like it's it, no, not everybody's convinced <laughs> that the Rays are good. What's going on with that Darby? Uh, it's, it's always funny. I feel like the, when the Rays do literally anything, it causes people to melt down and lose their minds because they're always doing something neat or different. And the reaction sometimes to that is, just everybody just shouting and being very angry and being like, no, stop it. Stop, stop getting attention. It's, it's kind of funny. Cause like the Rays get very little attention nationally. Anytime they get any attention whatsoever, you will see so many people in the replies in Twitter, just like losing, melting down, absolute full throated chewing on the keyboard rage about the Rays getting some sort of attention of any kind. Um, the, the streak has been crazy though. This has been, I feel like a significant thing in baseball and we can discuss like the, the action, the, what is the significance, like larger scale, but really it's been just really neat and unprecedented and incredible. Like all of the stats are great in the sense that like, you know, Sarah Lang's who's awesome. Sarah Lang's, uh, if you're not following at uh slangs on sports always has like some of the best um stats and content and fun facts and just really kind of shares the joy of baseball there she's been crushing it with like all of these like the historical comps because right now the rays through the first nine games the highest run differential in major league baseball history the rays are third at plus 57 in the run (laughs) differential they're behind only the 1884 St. Louis Maroons at plus 78 and the 1884 New York Gothams. But they are now ahead of the 1882 Providence Grays and the 1876 Hartfords of Brooklyn. That, like When you're in baseball and you're involved in anything that gets you into groups that are basically since the 1800s and you're playing and you're amongst teams that are just like the grays the maroons 
the Gotham's teams that have been defunct for over 120 years. They were probably playing against like the steel guilds back then, like the guys getting off work from the factory and showing up at the ballpark. You just had to dodge the, like the, the injured list from like polio or typhoid. <laughs> and then you're, you're back at it back when like pitchers would throw like 150 pitches. And then the next day they would throw 70 and they have to get pulled. And then everybody like lost their mind about how weak that guy was. It it's in, it's, it's like bonkers. I think Jeff Passan had a had a tweet about how the the last time a team kind of was in this position. So for the first time since 1884, with a run differential of more than 50 over their first nine games, that was the year the mound was 50 feet from home. It was the first year pitchers were allowed to throw the ball overhand. Like <laughs> like this like we're just talking about like absolute silliness silliness uh records records that go back to pre-modern era baseball where yeah you are talking about like a guy that probably worked a shift in a steel mill and then came out and like played baseball like they they now are throwing overhand nobody's doing this in this modern era and it's really incredible i mean it's like nine just the most fun if you're a Rays fan games you can imagine again it's like the ray and i and i try in my enjoyment of watching race baseball in my fandom, I've had this conversation, I think with you on this podcast with, with Ian, I, I know him and I had an in-depth discussion on this last year. I'm um, trying to not enjoy the Rays through the lens of like the, I told you so lens, like, look, I told you the Rays are good. And just, you know what? Enjoying these wins as they come. And this is a team that's been to the postseason the last four years that won the pennant three years ago that has a lot of that core still intact it is no shock that they're good they've been good for quite some time now but performing at the level they are performing against yes teams that were most likely finished fourth and fifth in their division these teams will not be in postseason contention however you got to win those games there is no strength of schedule rating when it tur- you know the, the selection committee when we get to October isn't going to look at these wins and 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 notch the rate you know take the raise down a few notches. These are wins. Th- these are nine wins that they can never ever give back. Um, and and to do so in the manner they're doing so, and to see players come through and perform, uh, players even at the the end of the raise bench. Um, guys like Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe. I, I mentioned Luke Rayleigh on last week's podcast before he really did anything. Um, he was like my unsung hero of the weekend. And then he hit three home runs this week. Um, Josh Lowe has continued to perform. Um, it, it's been a complete team effort, except for like the A bullpen, who really have gotten to take uh, you know this last week and a half off, come into some really low leverage situations. Uh, they are playing like the best team in baseball right now. And Absolutely. I, I don't want to spend too much time focusing on it. I mean, we know, you know, this, this streak could go on for another three or four games and I don't know. Now we're playing the Red Sox. So maybe that will pick up some more national attention and, and, and the people in baseball that, that I respect their, their work and their writing are paying attention and are, are giving mm-hmm. the raise their, their due respect, but man, it's just been so much fun turning on the race, the race games. And watching them kick ass. And I think the fun is also not just in the final result. And and, and that has been, I mean, that has been great. They've won all nine of these games by more than four runs, four runs or more in each of these games. 
So far, they have not had a save attempt. They have not been within the range to be able to even attempt a save. They haven't blown a save. They haven't even had a chance to. It's just been absolute blowout city left and right. Um, the thing that's crazy, though, is that there's just a very infectious energy on this team. Well, you kind of talked about that. Like, this is a very charismatic club. You know, obviously you have Randy Rosarena, who's huge superstar personality and player. But you got the whole, t- the whole outfield after every game are doing the Randy. Yeah. Uh, arm cross you know you got you got everybody just having a blast and having fun and you can just see that in the dugout you can see that on the field you can just see that these guys are just like really getting along and there's that strong camaraderie and that's when the Rays are best it's when every team is best is when people are enjoying going to work uh, that's when a team succeeds and so that's been fun to watch is because you just want to see these guys these players perform, do something crazy, do something fun. And, and really just you're excited about the next game because of that, because I feel like everything that could go wrong went wrong last year, like every game, it just felt like every bounce, every small thing, every person that could come up with a, a big hit just didn't everything just like flopped. This year has been the exact opposite. Pretty much everything that could go right has gone right so far. And, and the thing is with this streak, it's been like just a lot of fun. And it is, like you said, it's banking these wins, but it's also building a team confidence that knows that you can go into uh, the Bronx and play the Yankees in a big, important game in August or, Mm -hmm. or September. I don't know when they're actually playing, but whatever that is, Uh, you can go into Fenway, you can go into Baltimore, you can go into Toronto, you can play the Astros or the Mariners or the Angels and Otani and and Trout you can you can play these these top tier teams you can you can face Cleveland again and not feel like you're just going to get shut out in a series you can face the, the 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 cream of the crop and be like we have this in our back pocket we know that the rotation is downright filthy we know that we got some absolute awesome guys in the stable in the pen and this offense absolutely can click. They've they've hit the second most home runs of any team ever through the first nine games. 23 home runs. Uh, only the 2000 uh, St. Louis Cardinals have more at 24. And Luke Bradley came a era. few inches. Prime steroid era. Uh, but that's that. And Luke Bradley came within an inch or two yeah. today of tying that uh, in the eighth. They've given up, they've hit 23 home runs. They've given up 18 runs total on the season. Like the absurd, absurd levels of things. And I just want to address this. Like there's so many people trying to kind of downplay this. We're not saying that this streak means that the Rays are actually the best team in all of baseball and that we're, this is like a 130 win club. This is the pace they're on. Like, no, I don't think anybody is actually saying this. What people are saying is this streak is really impressive. And it is. People are saying this is a really cool thing that's just hasn't been seen or done like ever. And it really hasn't. Nobody living right now has seen a team do this. Mm-hmm. Literally, everybody that's done it is dead. They're deep underground. Their fertilizer. It's like, this is insane. Uh, all of the jokes of 
what Shohei Otani is doing. This is what the Rays are doing. Yeah, they're the team that beat Tungsten Harmo Doyle. Like this is <laughs> this is the craziness. And the teams they've beaten again. When you get these guys that are saying like this is they're just playing absolutely atrocious garbage teams that can't like perform. These are teams that beat the Angels against Otani. These are teams that beat the Guardians. These are teams that beat the Braves. These are teams that won a series against Houston. These teams are not, these are all professional players, mm-hmm. right? These are, you know, two of these play teams, Oakland and, and the Nats are probably going to finish dead last and are going to be near the top of the draft order, but they still are going to get 60 or so odd wins. They are going to play hard against some teams. They are going to play spoilers. And the thing is, teams have easy schedules. Teams will have really soft like schedule pieces throughout the season. Nine games in a row is extremely hard to do. Nine games of pure annihilation, that's, it just doesn't happen. It just (laughs) doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So it's cool. It's neat. It's neat. It's fun to have this in baseball. And that's, that's what it is. And in the longer term, it just means that the Rays are banking this both mentally and in the, in the records so that when there is the losing streaks, when there is the, the, the scuffling, you have now a bit more of a cushion. You're now on a pace where if you go 500 the rest of the way, you're coasting into the postseason. So that's, that's where it will be beneficial later on in the real baseball. But for now, Everybody just enjoy this and stop freaking out because you're like, this doesn't mean anything. It does mean something. These are nine wins. They're the first team to nine. And every win, like like some, you know today's 11 nothing win, we're going into a stretch or we're already in a stretch where you play another week and a half before your next off game or off day. Uh, Boston is coming to town for a four-game set. A team that, even though they fin- did, they ended up finishing in last last year. Did they finish above Baltimore? I think they finished in in fifth in the AL East. I don't even remember. They kind of were so irrelevant. But they are a team that you expect to be in the mix for for a wild card, or you know they they could if they stay healthy, they could be in the mix for the division as well. Um, so to to save those bullpen arms, to be able to give guys like uh, Wander Franco a little bit of rest late in game um, that is going to carry over into this next week. Now they've, they've still got to continue to play well to win those games. Um, but I think, I mean, you're, you're, you're going into this four game set against the Boston really confident with, with how rested the team is um, despite the injury bug slowly starting to rear its ugly head again. Obviously this race team is incredibly deep, um, and there are some really valuable pieces that are going either are already on the injured list or are soon to be hitting the injured list with with Taylor Walls, but they're not like the most like can't afford to lose players like getting hurt. Like it's not Randy and Wander and McClanahan who are now dealing with with ailments. Um, but Jose Siri did hit the 10 day IL with a grade one right hamstring strain. They're going to let him rest for a week and then reevaluate. You hate to see any player get a hamstring strain because that does seem to be, you know, one of those injuries that can tend tend to linger for, for weeks, if not months. Um, And Jose Siri, who came out of the gates really hot, a player that I think 
Uh, we were really excited about coming into the season, especially with the glimpses we saw last year. He was the Rays' big deadline acquisition from Houston um, and seems to be the franchise center fielder moving forward uh, for the for the near future. He goes down. You've got Manuel Margot that can, that can slide into center field. I think you'd be confident playing Josh Lowe or not really Randy out there. Um, but you, you've got, you know, Luke Rayleigh already on the team. We talked about the Rays coming into last week's episode, going in with Josh Lowe and Luke Rayleigh. And then when a guy like Siri goes down, you can bring up a Vidal Brujan, who I think the Rays expect to use in both the infield and outfield. And in terms of filling out a lineup card every day, losing Jose Siri, you're not, you're not losing any sleep over that. Kevin Cash isn't. Yeah, I think the big thing with that is, I'm, I, you know, it's a bummer because Siri is starting off so, so hot. You know, he was contributing at the plate. He was obviously still just defensively a wizard out there. So you just want to see him back there because he's also one of the more electrifying yeah. uh, players that the team has. Um, but hopefully this will not be something that that affects him for too long. He's not, not on the shelf for too long. But it's also a good time to, yeah, get that rest, get healthy. We're going to need... It's a long, long season. And so you don't want to push something mm -hmm. uh, when you don't have to. So Siri is an important part of this team. His his bat has legit potential. His speed is game changing. So you want to see him back on the field, but you want to see him at 100%. So I think good opportunity to take a rest. Um, the, other, the other person that got hurt uh, or just um, potentially, I guess he's not hitting the IL yet. But uh, Jonathan Aranda is on the taxi squad, so to speak, is uh, is Taylor Walls, whose arm has been been dealing, has been, I guess. Uh, and it's non-throwing arm. It's, his, it's yes. his left elbow. Apparently, there was a play in Friday night's game where he may have hyperextended it. Um, so we'll see. He's supposed to get imaging on Monday, the day this is being this podcast will be released. Um, Aranda is on the, like you said, quote unquote, taxi squad, even though the, uh, you know, traditional taxi squad doesn't exist anymore. Um, there was a rule put in place in, during this off season, uh, to eliminate that you can, you know, have guys travel or be with the team. If right. there is an injured list or a player that's going to be imminently placed on the injured list, or you're just kind of, kind of wait and see, uh, but again, Taylor walls, I, I, you know, losing Siri and Walls, that definitely takes a hit on the defense. We had already seen early on Kevin Cash deploy Walls as a defensive replacement and really solidify the team. Um, Bruhan, I think, can can fill that role. Um, mm -hmm. Aranda is not going to fill that role. He's going to be purely with the team. I mean, for his bat, but also because he's just the next man up. Um, we talked about him not breaking camp with the team, but hey, maybe another really good left-handed bat uh, to add to to this lineup that is producing a ton of runs right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if Jonathan Aranda, if if Walls does need to to hit uh, the IL for any any period of time, Aranda can sub up. He doesn't replace the role per se, but suddenly, yeah, you now have another lefty bat. You can you can slot him in at DH and, and give Harold a breather. Uh, Harold Ramirez a breather and, and then you have Aranda you have you could also play first a little bit you'd still probably rather Rayleigh out there Aranda at DH and then Josh Lowe and right field and suddenly now you have three pretty good 
left-handed bats to uh, punish some some righties to to go with, you know, Wander and uh, Brandon Lau as your kind of big weapons. And then you can still throw in a guy like uh, Isak Paredes or or Yandy Diaz um, because those guys are just great against everybody. Like they mm-hmm. they might be punishing against lefties, but you still those are those are guys that can totally be in there uh, as much as you possibly can want them to be. Yeah, I mean, I think you're confident with Yandy Diaz leading off against righties or lefties now. I mean, he's no longer just a, you know, a splits guy. I really like Brandon Lau in the leadoff spot as well. Um, and again, it just shows the the depth of this team. Looking into AAA, though, in case, you know, knock on wood, there are any more injuries, you've still got Curtis Mead, who is, you know, one of the most well-regarded prospects I think going into the year, considered one of the most big league ready prospects in terms of his hitting. Uh, and then another addition to the 40-man roster from this offseason, Oslavis Basabe, who is off to a really hot start at AAA Durham. He's hitting 393 through six games, already has a home run and seven runs batted in. Um, so again, another versatile infielder. I don't think the Rays are eager to call him up for his big league debut yet, but just another option on the 40 man roster. Um, Hopefully we don't get to that point though. Hopefully everybody else stays healthy. Um, But the bullpen looks, you know, really solid right now. All health on that front. The only other pitchers on the IL for the Rays are obviously um, Shane Boz, who had Tommy John, Andrew Kittredge, who had Tommy John. Um, Sean Armstrong is still dealing with neck tightness and uh, Tyler Glass now. Um, who obviously got hurt in spring training, and we're going to talk about his recovery a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but we've seen, we've gotten to see everybody in this Rays bullpen, although I think all the left-handed pitchers got the weekend off. We didn't see Poche, Beeks, or Clevenger at all this weekend. Maybe, I don't know, maybe someone got in today. Um, today was uh, uh, Thompson and Jason Adam. Yeah, so, so yeah. the lefties get the entire it's, weekend off. It's really uh, tough when you have both Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen pitch in the series to get the bullpen action. Yeah, Just, frankly, they they're both been absolutely un unreal. I, and they could have both gone longer. That's the thing too. Like today, Drew, Drew Rasmussen seven innings, no one hit, no runs, uh-huh. seven strikeouts. Jeffrey Springs seven innings. Two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. I mean, these two are incredible. And like they could have easily, they could have easily had uh full, you know, complete games if they so wanted to. But again, it's early in the season. They were both of them up by uh a million runs. Uh so no need to push the extra bullets. They they have plenty of pitches left in them. Save those for the next game. Save them for a month from now. Save them for the postseason. Save them for, for the whole stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's been that's been maybe the big challenge so far was just getting the bullpen involved. Jason Adam has been maybe the most um, I don't know concerning. I, I don't know. It's not really that concerning. He still has some sharp stuff, but his his velo is a little down. His command has been a little shakier. 
I'm, you, you want him to pitch well in any situation, but I really want to see him in like a high leverage situation and see if we start to see some of that stuff come back again and the VLO go, you know, get a little more amped up. It's a little difficult coming into an 11 nothing ball game and, and, and trying to get, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we will it, see going into the Boston series, um, the first usage of, of an opener, I guess, if you still want to call it that, uh, with Jalen Beeks getting the start on Monday night. More so, it's just to cover, uh, I think, Josh Fleming, who who was the only race starter who has struggled thus far, and we we're kind of expecting that. And we, we can actually just, just jump right into that conversation now um, because if there was any player who had a bad week for the Rays, I, I guess it was, it was Josh Fleming, um, mm-hmm. but the offense scored 10 runs that game, including two late home runs from Rayleigh and Lowe to, to back win. Back to game. back to go from down one <laughs> in the ninth and then Yadi Diaz hits the, the hits the home run, the three yeah. run shot. Yeah. Um, but we will see Beeks open to uh for on a against a very left-handed heavy Red Sox lineup. You've got Verdugo, Devers, um, Masataka Yoshida, who they signed um out of the NPB this past offseason, Tristan Casas, who was a top prospect for them, and uh Reese McGuire, the other left-handed hitter in their lineup. So you imagine Beeks could get i mean he'll definitely throw the first inning maybe he'll get a full trip through the order and then play it from there depending on when kevin cash wants to bring in josh fleming it could also be a situation where like depending on how they want to play this you might not see josh fleming at all i mean the bullpen is rested enough that you could absolutely just throw a bullpen game yeah you know maybe use fleming for like an inning or two and not like a traditional five um yeah it's it's with uh boston um got some bad news today with adam duvall uh with a pretty serious injury he's been off to an unbelievable start i think he had a thousand slugging percentage not ops but slugging like he's been off to like one of the best starts of any player in in all of baseball um do not know the full extent of that. Uh, I saw a tweet that basically, when asked for a comment, Heimbloom just said that he'll know more tomorrow after mm. the X-ray. So that's not a great sign, but maybe maybe there'll be some luck uh, there. Probably will be at least spending a little time on the IL, um, if not a lot of time. But hopefully, hopefully not too much. Adam Ball is a, a really it was a really smart pickup for, for Bloom and the Red Sox. And so it was nice to see him pay off there, but uh, that's a big right-handed bat, right-handed weapon that the Rays will be able to dodge, it seems. And definitely better for, for Josh Fleming, who against the Nats, uh, they have some very talented right-handed guys that hit lefties. Well, like Lane Thomas and Joey Mm -hmm. Manessis. Um, But, but it's, he was really, it, that first start, and it's just one start, but it was everything you don't want to see from Josh Fleming. Uh, wasn't missing bats. The command was a mess. He was walking way too many people. So many uh, completely non-competitive pitches, and he just he just did not have the ability to get weak contact. He was just giving up hard contact. Wasn't getting it in the zone. Was it was everything you could possibly, uh, you know, hope to avoid. Um, so that was not great. It was not a great start. And I think it kind of reaffirmed. 
yeah, I, I think it kind of reaffirmed my fears about Josh mm-hmm. Fleming coming into the season. I was not too excited about the decision to put him in the rotation over guys like uh, Yanni Torinos or, or Luis Patino, where it's like, okay, uh, we're, we're going to fill this fifth spot in the rotation. And maybe you want Patino to get that work in AAA, but I'd rather him get that big league development uh, and, and to do it against some some weaker teams, these first two trips through the rotation. Uh, he is struggling at AAA. He did pitch again today. He gave up, I think, four runs, picked up the loss against Jack. You know, he only went three innings today. Um, he gave up two runs. And then we saw Yanni Torinos come in, come out of the bullpen after him, and, and he struggled as well. Mm-hmm. Pitched three innings, only had one strikeout, gave up four runs on five hits. Only two of those runs were earned. The one guy who, in his most recent start um, over this past weekend for AAA Durham was Taj Bradley, who looked really sharp. He had four strikeouts over five innings, only gave up two hits in one run. I don't know if they're ready to call Taj Bradley up, and, and they're not giving up on Josh Fleming yet. <laughs> I'm already like signing Josh Fleming's. You know, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already booking his ticket back to Durham, and, and maybe he comes out tomorrow and pitches four innings out of the bullpen against Boston and does really well. I hope he does. Um, but I don't know if anyone is ready to come take that spot yet. The Rays obviously had some reasoning behind the decision to have him break camp with the team. And we might not be, I mean, we're still going to be at least another month, probably a month and a half away from the return of Tyler Glass now, although he is supposed to throw his first bullpen this week, maybe in the next couple days. So you're really just trying to piece this together until you get Glass now back. And when he does come back, if everyone's still healthy, this is, I think, the best rotation in baseball. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, if everybody's healthy, if everybody's there, this is a, a rotation with two legit aces, uh, guys like Springs and Rasmussen, who could be the number one pitcher on many teams. And that's your top four. And then, oh, yeah. Springs and Rasmussen look like aces right now. They're pitching like it. Those first two stars. And they were for most absolutely. of last year, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I And they're and what's also been great is they both have improved their arsenal. Yeah. They, they went into the offseason and were like, let's add even more. And it's just better. Like Rasmussen's cutter is just so much better than it was last year. And now it's a true weapon. And the sweeper for Jeffrey Springs is it's the, it was the missing piece. And he didn't really, he was already great last year, but that was the missing piece. That was the piece that he needed to really, he has one of the best changeups that any pitcher in baseball has. And Uh that's why he dominated so well against righties but he still needed that out pitch against lefties enter the sweeper. And suddenly it's just, an, he's been absolutely filthy and, and can really work his way out of a lot of jams. The other thing with those two guys, they also just command the zone. They yeah. fill up the zone. You're just, you cannot get a free at bat against them. So you have to get hits and hitting in baseball is really hard. And so it has been a, a real struggle. With Fleming, I feel like there is a lot of stuff to like there, and he has shown flashes of this, and this is the raise, right? I mean, I think of any team to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to player development as well as pitcher development, it's the raise. So if they still like him or if they still see things they want to try out, mm-hmm. absolutely, they deserve the right to try those out. I do understand, and I feel 
feel the fans' frustration. His starts are a slog, and we're not used to that. But this is also the fifth starter. So, mm-hmm. like, man, if you look around baseball, there is some absolutely terrible guys oh, that people yeah. are trotting out for that fifth start. And you would just hope to get, like, four or five innings and be in the game. You know, four or five runs, five innings. Just, just <laughs> please don't don't have it be a complete blow up. Don't let us have to use, you know, our catcher uh, later on to to fill hey, up. Hey, Court's not bad. He he can pitch. Seeker weapon, yeah, Seeker weapon. Um, yeah, I I think for this, I'm okay giving Fleming a leash because Patino and Yanni both need, I think, some more seasoning. I think they need more reps. Uh, injuries have definitely like kind of delayed them quite a bit. And and I with Taj, I think if Glasnow was further away, um, or the team was in a in a different spot, maybe you do decide like this is the time to unleash uh Taj Bradley. But I also think he's he really hasn't spent a lot of time in yeah. at the Durham level. He just made it up there last year. I, I think he could move very fast. Um, but I think if if Glass now if the medicals are going in the right direction, which it sounds like they are, and he keeps progressing, I think you can you can try to. This is a good opportunity right now, kind of similar with Luke Rayleigh, right? When you have Kyle Manzardo, you have Curtis Mead, you have Jonathan Aranda, you have these legitimately potentially great bats right away. This is a good opportunity to say, what do we have in Josh Lowe? What do we have in Luke Rayleigh? Let's give it a month. Let's give let's see Josh Fleming. Let's see what we can do. And let's not give it away just yet. And maybe, maybe you are like, maybe it clicks, you know, maybe Jeffrey Springs that we just talked about him. He was not this for most of his career. This we'd probably, I don't think there's a Rays fan that was thinking after the very first year he was with the team, that this guy is going to be one of the most filthy and trusted starters in this rotation next year. So it takes time for some guys. And so Fleming could be a guy that is a few tweaks away from becoming really, really solid. He may never get there, but this is a good opportunity with these nine wins. This is a good opportunity to, to give it a shot. Let's talk about Jeffrey Springs a little bit more because we say he's pitching like an ace. At what point does it, do we stop saying, I know you and I are probably at this point already, but at what point do we stop saying Jeffrey Springs is pitching like an ace to saying, Jeffrey Springs is an ace. He threw 135 innings last year. He made 25 starts, had a 2-4-6 ERA. Through two starts this season, he hasn't given up a run. Um, his strikeout rate has gone up to 42.2%, uh, and the walk rate's at around 8.9%. Darby, I mean, like, it's it's really, really good right now. I mean, it's he is right now, I would say the pitcher I trust the most mm-hmm. on this team. One B is Drew Rasmussen. I, I think Shane McClanahan comes in a solid third behind both of those two guys. Like Jeffrey Springs right now, his K minus BB is 33.3%. That's the best numbers of his career. What's what's really neat is that like his K per nine, which is 13.15 right now, is pretty much like right in line with his reliever numbers, All right? Uh, which was 12.69 and 12.39 uh, in the Rays in Boston. And his walk rate very similarly is sub three, which is what it was with the Rays in 2021 is 2.82 then. 
Uh, it's 2.77 right now. So basically what he's doing is he's being as filthy as he was with the Rays as a reliever, but he's just going six and seven innings every single time. And, and that's the thing with him and Rasmussen. That's, that's crazy. Is it, it's, it's a little different than what we've gotten used to the last few years with the top Rays pitchers. I mean, you look really starting with Chris Archer and then Blake Snell and then even Tyler Glass now and even Shane McClanahan. Really electric stuff. You can count on them for four or five innings. Um, they're the pitch count's going to get up there, um, just because of the nature of of how they pitch and it's effective, and it's really valuable, um, and it doesn't take anything away from from how talented they are. It's a, they have a different mindset going into every start with Springs and Rasmussen, and we we haven't really talked about Zach Eflin that much, but you could almost put him in that mix too. Is it, it, it they feel like true workhorses? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, uh, opening weekend, they had James Shields, uh, throughout the first pitch and be in the booth and uh, he was on Neil Solon's podcast. Yes. No one, no, no one on this race staff or no one on any staff in baseball is going to throw 11 complete games like Shields did that one season, but the type of pitchers that they are, I think more closely resemble a guy like Shields where you can really count on them to get into the seventh inning every start. I think I feel like Shields has inspired the team. Like Maybe. it's he, it's <laughs> like this this they saw they saw big game James and we're like that's the guy. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned like Blake Snell and you mentioned Chris Archer. So Blake Snell obviously Cy Young winner, very famously a guy that Cash would pull early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, when did he ever early, do that? I, at some point, I feel like an April game is what I <laughs> is the first thing that I immediately think of, and no other games ever. Um, but he would he would for a lot of people think he was cruising and he'd be pulled early. But if you look in the numbers, like his third time through the order penalty was stark. It, it was he was one. It's one of the worst penalties that we've seen any pitcher have. Like he, it absolutely jumped from being first time through the order, absolute ace. Second time starting to get a little bad. Third time. This is a uh, this is like Josh Fleming at his worst type of level. And now that's not every single time out, but it's over enough time. You've seen like a pattern where that third time through really is a law of diminishing returns. Yeah. You look at Jeffrey Springs as a starting pitcher, his FIP first time through the order, 2.24. Phenomenal. FIP second time through the order, 3.56. Third time through the order, 3.22. That is what you look at. And that's where you see like your Max Scherzers, your Justin Verlanders, your Tyler Glass nows. Those are the guys that get third time through the order because you go, it's not a big penalty. They are not being affected as harshly. So you give them another time through. You always have to look at that third time through as the guy I have, what is he available to versus a reliever? How much better is that reliever versus the guy I have right there. When you look at the numbers for for Springs, you're seeing a guy that can be trusted to go turn a lineup over a third time over, which is, it. it's still bonkers to me that he is at this level. And But you're right, though. It's like at a certain point, every time Jeffrey Springs goes out there, you're expecting what we've been seeing. And I think if he has a, a bad start, that happens to every every pitcher. Max Scherzer's had some five run games. Like it, you just get blow up sometimes. 
Clayton Kershaw. Gets Derek Cole up. happens every time he faces the Rays. <laughs> there you go. Maybe with G-Man Choi out, it might be the Pirates yeah. now. You're right. Uh, yeah. Or if Billy Crystal's uh, throwing out first pitch or something <laughs> like that. Um, but it happens. But that's now like not the expectation. That's like, well, chalk it up, whatever, bad day. I, easily you can trust them the next time out to go like I, I'm expecting six or seven. And I think that's the key is that Kevin Cash isn't going to necessarily pull guys early. You know, he's not going to get, he's not a guy that just decides willy nilly, like nobody's going over five innings. I think some people you're trying to preserve their arms. Some people you're not trying, you're trying to preserve those innings and others. You're just saying, I don't trust them that third time through the order but as we've seen, Tyler Glass now, Shane McClanahan, Jeffrey Springs, Andrew Rasmussen, they can go six to nine mm-hmm. innings if if that's how it shakes out. If the pitch number is there, if they're built up, if it's lined up, we we've seen Drew Rasmussen nearly take that that perfect game, and he got and he got the ball. He was he was ready to go. Like, I, I don't think Kevin Cash is somebody, I think he's been unfairly maligned and thought of as one way. I think what it is, is when you have a guy, when you have an ace, you let him pitch like an ace. Mm-hmm. And the Rays might just be holding four of a kind. Hmm. Maybe five in a month or so. Maybe five. Real, real cheap. Uh, it doesn't real... seem, it doesn't seem fair. Darby, I mean, I think last season these episodes could go on forever because we could talk about things that were, were just going so terribly wrong for the Rays. Just rant. And talk about, <laughs> you know, the 10th reliever to go on the IL and that we were going to, you know, who was this guy that was coming up from AAA that was going to help the team try to tread water. But things have been going really well. And I think in large part um, due to the success thus far by star shortstop still at the ripe age of 22 <laughs> wander franco who hit another home run today um mm-hmm. before i throw it to you that i mean that home run was was so impressive i think for, for a long time and, and wanders had success really his whole big league career he's got a 126 wrc plus over his career but the book on wander was to not throw him anything to hit and don't worry he will swing Mm-hmm. He, he's a free swinger, but he makes he, he's always made a lot of contact. But when you're swinging at everything, especially in the big leagues, you're not always going to make good contact. This year, so far, I think he's taken a much different approach. He's been a lot more patient at the plate. He hasn't been as much of a free swinger in in, in that first inning at bat in which he hit a home run. James Caprillion, the the Oakland starter, first two pitches low and away, fastball low and away, and then change up low and away, and Wander sat on both of them. Caprillion thought, okay, I'm going to have to work inside on this guy. And when he throws 93 in off the plate, like it, it is in. Wander Franco with his crazy fast hands turns on it and sends a line drive into the right field stands for his fourth home run of the season. Uh, this, this looks like, I mean, what we've seen so far from Wander is exactly what was advertised. And that is an, you know, perennial all-star and, and MVP candidate. Um, Wander Franco. I think we said in the first podcast, but I'll just keep saying it. Feel like everybody just forgot that this was a unicorn prospect, that he was like one of the top prospects ever in baseball history. 
and that he was not 25 and with multiple failed seasons, but 22 mm-hmm. and just one w- weird fluky injury shortened season. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a, this is a, a perennial MVP level player. Like that's flat out what he is. Now that's the level. That's the ceiling. This is a guy that could get in eight to 10 win season once or twice in his career. Like it's, it's incredible. The biggest thing is he was a guy that you could almost be as like a nice soft bank of like, you know, three to five wins mm-hmm. pretty much perennially. Our was kind of the missing. It, it was one of those things. A lot of scouts sort of talked about that. There obviously he's a he, big guy. He actually has a lot of strength, but he wasn't a big power hitter throughout the minors. He could show off power. The raw power was there, but he wasn't getting a lot of game power or that really wasn't his big game. Gap to gap, uh, using some speed, all that stuff, you know, kind of, you can get those doubles, you can get those triples, but like wasn't getting those tons of home runs. This is a guy that could now be a guy that's getting you 20 plus home runs a season, maybe even pushing that up to 30 home runs. Suddenly that changes the whole mathematics of everything that changes the whole outlook suddenly now that floor is rising into that upper echelon of elite level shortstops um that suddenly is the type of thing that jose ramirez a good friend of wander and countryman and somebody he trains with he did something very similarly he made a big jump or he was a guy free swinger tons of great contact unbelievable fast hands great uh bat to ball skills not a lot of power Jose Ramirez is now a perennial 30 plus home run bat, one of the best hitters in all of baseball. And it's because he started to use that bat to ball skills to actually punish the pitches he needs to punish. So this year it's very small sample sizes, but these are the trends that you want to start seeing. So Wander Franco is seeing zone percentage, which is percentage of pitches seen inside the zone is 50%, which is exactly in line with his previous two seasons. For uh, 2021, he saw 50.9% in the zone. 2022, 52.2% in the zone. This year, he's seeing 50.4. So he's still seeing the exact same number of pitches in the strike zone. Here's the big difference. For his career, he has swung out of the zone about 28.9% of the time. This year, he's swinging outside of the zone 20.6% of the time. Mm. Almost a almost an eight percent over an eight percent drop. Next, he is swinging in general for his career forty nine point eight percent of the time. Basically, he was just up there. He was swinging. He was given a bat. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't going up there to stand. He was going up there to swing. So fifty percent of the time, he was taking a hack. This year, that is down to thirty nine point four percent of the time. The Contact outside of the zone, still in line, about a little over 70%. He's always been able to make contact with pretty much everything, even even balls uh, a foot or two outside of the zone. Inside the zone, he's making a little bit more contact on strikes. He's up at 97.5%, his career 92%. All you're seeing, though, is that his swing percentage is dropped. Wander is doing this because he's doing less. He is seeing the same number of strikes. He's still making contact like crazy inside and outside of the zone. But instead of swinging 50% of the time, instead of swinging at everything, he is picking and choosing what he wants to swing at. And with those elite, uh, the truly elite level hand speed and bat to ball skills, 
Now he's actually able to put the barrel on the ball and actually put absolutely punishing swings on the pitches that he can punish rather than the pitches the pitchers want him to make contact with. They, you pitchers are going to want him to swing outside of the zone and get a dribbler single or a ground out. They're fine. You will be fine with a single to wander. Now he's able to just swing less, but swing more decisively. And so far, this is that breakout level. That's the, that's the evolution. And at 22, if he keeps this up, you're seeing like, this is the evolution of a player. He's learning, he's getting better. He's improving his game. He is refining that game. And there's a huge boost to the ceiling. If he can continue to do this. Now, uh, it's been proven that like lineup protection really doesn't exist. Good hitters will hit no matter where they're on the lineup, no matter who's in front of them or behind them. But what I will say right now about not only Wander's approach at the plate, but the entire team's approach, they can tell how well everyone else is seeing the ball right now, how, how well everyone else is hitting. And I feel like there were at times last year when Wander was healthy. Or, you know, when Brandon Lau was healthy and then times when they weren't, when it was Randy Rosarena and guys like G-Mon Choi that felt like they had to, you know, shoulder a bigger load. I feel like the team approach right now, and because everybody's playing well, there's going to come a time where not many guys are playing well at the same time. And those were, those were your losing streaks come, but it just feels like everybody's a little bit more relaxed when you've got guys towards the bottom of the lineup that are contributing the way the Rays are right now. And you've got guys that you might not have even had on the opening day roster, like Luke Rayleigh, who's got four home runs. There's a little bit less pressure on everybody. You don't have to swing at every pitch. You don't have to even be the hero. You could focus on, 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 on your own approach. And, and it, it's been a noticeable difference with Wander. Um, you, you just read off all those numbers and it all makes sense, right? If you've been watching these games, you can tell it's a different approach this year and, and whether or not that's that's organization wide or player to player, it's definitely working. And to see him and, and every hit he's had, I don't know where he's at next at Velo, but I think the Rays as a, as, as a team have to be right up there because there's just been tons of hard contact. Um, I think Randy had like, his, I think Wander's Homer was 108 off the bat and then Randy's single was 108 off the bat today. They are, and again, not facing when you, when you come up against Garrett Cole, and I know we joke about him a lot, still an elite pitcher. <laughs> these things are a lot more difficult when you're facing James Caprillion on a Sunday afternoon at the trop. Yes. It, you're, you're going to have more success than you do against the aces of the world, but it, it's over a stretch of nine games. It just feels like it's a different team approach at the plate and, and a lot more disciplined. And it's always going to feel like that when when you're winning. They could take the same approach and lose seven to three, and we're all going to be mad. But so far, uh, it's it's been fun to watch, and yeah, the expectations keep going up for for Wander Franco, who, like you said, had a bad year last year, which was a one sixteen WRC plus and two point four wins above replacement, in which he pl- in, in a season that he played in half the games. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, if that's the floor for Wander Franco. Sign me up. And that and and you mentioned you mentioned the hard hit rate. So I had to look it up. For his career, his barrel rate has been last year 4.6%, year before that, 4.9%. So he wasn't really a guy that barreled the ball and made a lot of contact, a lot of junk contact. This year it's at 16.7%. That's elite level slugger. But here's the funny thing: 
those last two years, he had 13 barrels last year and 12 barrels the year before that. Already he has five this year through nine games. So he is already on his way. Actually, this one doesn't count today's game. So he actually has six. So he is already halfway to his normal season high level of barrels. His barrels have that sound to him too. Like he's got that distinct pop off the bat um, that if you're like, maybe you've got the the game on in the background, you're doing dishes or doing whatever around the house. You just hear it and you turn your head and you're like, wow, that was a, that was Wander Franco right there. It's a special player. And I feel like we, we kind of maybe sort of slept on it a little bit, but I don't know. You got to wake up. This guy's this we're watching like this is a great time for everybody that's a fan of baseball. You have Shohei Otani, you have Mike Trout still in the league, Julio Rodriguez is incredible, you have Wander Franco. The a, amazing time for being a baseball fan. And Wander's a part of that. Definitely. All right, Darby. Before we wrap up this week's show, uh, let's take a little look ahead. The Boston Red Sox are coming to town for a four game set. Um, the Rays will face Nick Pavetta. I don't know if it's been announced who they'll face on Tuesday, uh, but then wrapping up the series, it looks like they'll get Chris sale and Corey Kluber old friend alert. Uh, Corey Kluber coming back to St. Pete. I feel really confident about this and I'm kind of expecting, I mean, Hey, the way things are going now, I'll never predict a four game sweep, but, I think this is a great series where you could take you could take three or four at home. I think at this point, the way they're playing and at home, I think you I think minimum you want two at least. I feel like less than that, if you had a series loss, that would be really disappointing. But yeah, I think they're I think they're coming in. Red Sox have played some very interesting baseball so far. They've, they've had some really explosive offense. They've also had some just uh, disastrous pitching performances. They've been given up runs. They've been getting back runs. So I, it's a very intriguing thing to watch this series and just see how the Rays perform. I think it's something that I, I think three out of three out of four is, is where I'd be at as well. Um, and I think overall, you just I, I'm curious to see where the Rays are at after this series in terms of how each of these games go. Because they're going to have some some tough challenges. The Red Sox are switching up their pitching order specifically to avoid, I think, giving too many lefties in a row um, to the Rays. And so, which is a smart idea because uh, they want to mix up, you know, getting righty lefty. so we're going to be, it'll be curious to see, you know, you're going to, you're going to get uh Pavetta, you're going to get sale two guys that the Rays have, have, you know, sometimes had some struggles with um, Kluber. They're very familiar with see how, so he did not have a great first start of his season, but uh, you know, we, we've seen, <laughs> we, we've seen him have a, uh, have some very good performances in the trop. So, you know, yeah. Um, no, it, I think it'll be an interesting series. I think the Red Sox always play the Rays hard. Uh, interdivisional rivalries are always tough, but I think this is a team that's got a lot of confidence right now. And I think at home, hopefully you get some packed stands uh, and hopefully you get more Rays fans than Boston fans to really drown them out uh, and get some rowdy atmosphere. What, what I will say about the attendance is one, we haven't had a game 
in uh, less than 10,000 yet. I think today was 11,000. My parents were there on Friday night, um, which the announced attendance was about 15,000. There was a big ticket promotion. But from, from talking to them and from watching the game, it felt like a very loud, a very engaged 15,000, which those of you who have been to the Trop on nights where, you know, it's not super packed, but 15,000, if they're in the game, if it's not like, you know, uh, summer camp day and it's like 15,000 like fans that are there for the game, it gets, it gets really fun there and, and, and really loud. And so, yeah, I mean, if you get 15,000 plus in the Trop for these next four days, I know Thursday's a, a day game um it it could be a really fun series against boston and i guess this is the first test i mean boston's not great but they're better than oakland i think we need a we need like can can somebody like give us a record like a list of like what teams actually should count to play against and which teams are good like i don't know you we kind of keep moving the goalposts because you keep using the record against you know using the rays like the teams that the Rays have faced have a really bad record. Yeah, they face the Rays. Right. <laughs> like yeah, obviously the Rays are nine and oh. That's nine more losses. Um, but the Red Sox, the Red Sox are five and four after their win uh against Detroit. So they're a winning team. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Um, right now we're currently still just on YouTube. Maybe by when you're listening to this, we'll be on our new podcast feed. Um, but you can find us on YouTube. You can find Darby on Twitter at Darby underscore Robinson. I should have that remembered by now. Still firing off some tweets out there. And you can find me at BG Rutherford nine, nine. And, uh, you know, make sure to still head on over to DRaysBay.com. Check out D-Race Bay on Twitter. We'll still be pushing out content through there, uh, but just in a different podcast home, hopefully in the very near future. So um, I've just been putting these on my personal YouTube channel. So it's not a dedicated Raise Your Voice channel, um, but if you still want to like and subscribe uh, for now, maybe we'll still continue posting on there, or maybe we'll even come up with a, a, a Raise Your Voice YouTube channel in the near future as well. Uh, but just follow us on, on social media to stay up to date with with everything in the in the Raise Your Voice universe and also the Who's On Worst universe, or I guess we could call it still the D-Rays Bay podcast multiverse. <laughs> um, we will be putting out a new episode, hopefully in the near future. We got to get back to that as well. Um, but thank you uh, for listening and we'll talk to you next week.